Good morning, everyone. It is March the 9th, Tuesday, and wow, spring is spring is on us right now. And still too early to plant things in the ground, but it's uh, it's a wonderful feeling just to feel the difference in the air. So happy, happy with, happy without though. Winter was winter was good as well. Uh, this morning, I want to read a little bit from Dhamma Everywhere, some notes from talks that Sayadaw Utejaniya gave at uh, retreats, the morning talks. So I thought if you're uh, if you've never been to a, a longer retreat, they might be interesting to see what those talks would be about. And uh, if you have, it's they're they're inspiring, and he's everything he talks about is good practical information. It really helps us get on and then maintain being on the path. So uh, I'll read some of that, and then we can practice. So I hope you are having a. a Good week. I realize that my sense of what day of the week it is, I always have to check that in the morning. It may feel, I mean, the days are so similar, it's hard to remember. Oh, this is Tuesday. I have to uh, remember the day by the, by the, either the classes that I'm teaching or attending. Uh, I've got to have some kind of anchor every day. So let's start. Reading. So this one I found just this morning. We have been reading from the in a in a nutshell section of this same book, but I really uh, would like to share a f- just a few of these short pages with you. This is the this is the book. I know it's backwards. I discovered last night in the book group that on Zoom, it's the images are not backwards, but on Facebook, streaming live on Facebook or on YouTube, they end up being backwards. So this is called Dhamma in the Mornings. The following are translations of two of Ashin Tejaniya's morning Dhamma reminders given at the Shui Umin Meditation Center. The talks have been edited and organized into related sections. Day one, the meditating mind. Keep your mind, and this is good for any meditation, so this is not just about being on retreat, but that is the context. These are just really good, helpful uh, tips, actually, to help us with our practice. The meditating mind. Keep your mind as calm and as relaxed as possible, not too tense or too lax. Don't be anxious about your practice. The mind needs to be able to adjust accordingly, walking the middle road between too much and too little effort, neither overzealous nor disinterested. The wise mind makes adjustments as needed during meditation. Sometimes, even with all this fine-tuning, there might still be craving, which is loba, 
You may also find that you are feeling drowsy, even with faith and confidence, in the mind. The mind may still be weak due to defilements, or there may be a great deal of wanting and expectation in the mind. So be calm and relaxed. Rather than thinking, I'm practicing, I'm putting in effort, be satisfied with knowing what is happening. I will work just to know. What can you know? It's very simple. You can only know as much as the momentum that you have will allow. The mind that is meditating should be relaxed, calm, and natural. There is no need to put in too much energy or to focus in on something. Take the view that everything happening in the mind and body is happening according to nature. This is all Dhamma nature at work. Curiosity and interest. Have the mindset that you will not desire experiences, including not wanting something to happen. You just do what needs to be done and let whatever happens happen. However, if there is no wholesome desire to practice, nothing happens. And if there is too much wanting for something, it doesn't work either. So what should you do? What is too much and what is too little? The mind just needs to be interested. Attentive curiosity and interest are important. You can't make anything arise or disappear through craving or aversion. So be aware of whatever is happening. I'm going to read that sentence again. I think it's really important. You can't make anything arise or disappear through craving or aversion. So be aware of whatever is happening. Try not to forget what is happening. Remember that having expectations indicates there is some greed in the mind. Be aware of all the arising, all the passing away. Work very simply and remind yourself to be aware. If you see, just be aware that you are seeing. That is enough. Let whatever happens, happens. Let whatever happens, happen. The things that are happening are just nature. Remind yourself that they have nothing to do with you. That could be a relief, right? Just be aware. Watch what is happening, and it's not about us. Those who understand natural laws can understand their principles. Understanding natural laws very clearly is wisdom. He who understands these laws understands nature. Do you want to know? Please check yourself. The fact that you all came to practice means that you do want to know. You're meditating here because you want, wish to know the truth, to discover reality. Your key reason for being at the center is to give yourself the time to become aware of the mind and body, to see the connections and relationships between the mind and body and making a habit of seeing these connections is what you have come here to practice. The mind gets energized through this wholesome desire for learning and the wish to understand. Keep it simple. 
It's good if there is knowing. It's not good if there is no knowing. There is a Burmese saying, ignorance is worse than being deprived. But far worse than being ignorant is not wanting to know. And then this last little section is uh, what drew me to this part. Wait and watch. What is happening in the body? There are the six sense doors. Five involve the eyes, the ears, the nose, the tongue, and the body. The six is the mind. Therefore, there are six kinds of objects arising at the six sense doors. Sights are objects of knowing, and sounds are objects of knowing. Seeing and hearing are not happening externally. They are happening inside. Objects are just objects. They are neither good nor bad. Nature is just nature. An object is something that is to be known by the mind. Sound is an object. Silence is also an object. You are aware of it because its nature is to be known. A thought is an object to be known just as the absence of thoughts is an object to be known. What is the difference? Is it good to have many thoughts? Is it bad? Is it good to have no thoughts? Is that bad? Having many thoughts or having few thoughts is neither good nor bad. Objects are are just objects. If you consider them to be positive or negative, that will then be followed by likes and dislikes. That is when you get confused in your practice. You don't need to look for or pursue objects. It's more helpful to just wait and watch. The mind sees whatever that arises. When you see, you see. When you know, you know. A yogi who practices by following objects often ask what to note next. The yogi may ask, what else should I look for? Alternatively, a yogi who practices by waiting and watching does not follow objects. The yogi who waits and watches uses intelligence. Your practice needs to have the right attitude with balanced effort every time the mind comes in contact with objects. If the attitude is not yet right attitude, then it's necessary to work on it. How can you view objects? See that everything that is happening is all Dhamma nature and that all objects follow the laws of nature. Sights and sound are always happening. Because the mind and object rise according to their nature, sights and sounds happen. You don't hear something because you want to hear. You don't see something because you want to see. Do not think that these sensory experiences are happening because you wanted them. There is nothing happening due to your desire. Everything happens due to cause and effect. Observe how the mind and objects interact. Are you aware only of what you want to be aware of or of what is happening right now? 
do you only observe what the mind is attracted to? Things happen according to their nature, and awareness just waits and watches. You will see things as they are if there is no greed, no aversion, or delusion in the mind. Greed is always searching for something to like. Is there really something to be desired within the object itself? Or does the nature of liking desire this object? Or does the nature of liking desire this object? Greed's nature is to like, grasp, and cling. You only think you like this object because of greed's nature of liking and delusion's nature to obscure an object's true characteristics. Delusion further confuses the mind into desiring more of the object. There's no stopping this cycle of suffering. That's samsara, an endless cycle we get on. There is nothing to be liked about an object. There is also nothing that you get just because you like it. You only get things when the conditions are ripe for you to get them. Whatever is happening is due to nature. You just wait and watch this process objectively. If craving is absent, you will just see what is to be seen. There is nothing attractive about what is happening. There only needs to be knowing. I think that part is so uh, is very powerful. His description of just that knowing and seeing, um, and not getting it, not getting greed and aversion and delusion mixed up with it is really wonderful. Really important. And it's very clear, but it's something that we have to pay attention to over and over and over. It's clear, but it's not that easy to do because our minds are full of those qualities of samsara, greed, hatred, and delusion, or just liking and disliking and uh, wrong understanding. So... His teachings are just excellent. I always get, I'm delighted with them. So in our book group, we're, we're going to be voting later this week uh, on the books we talked about last night. And so Sayadaw Utejaniya's uh, books are on the list as well, as well as uh, Bhikkhu Bodhi, The Eightfold Path, and a few others that we talked about last night. So... Uh, you're welcome to join the book group, whether you've ever come or not. So we had those cla- We had one last night, and it's really a discussion group, and it's every. It's the second and fourth Monday, from on central in Central Time. It's five thirty to six thirty. So you're certainly welcome, and we'll be choosing a new book. So if you want to start in two two weeks. You can get in touch with me, and I'll let you know. I'll put you on our list and send you information. But that information will also be on the Blue Lotus Temple Facebook page and the website. 
So why don't we sit? And before, before we begin sitting, I'd like to, to read. And this is from Pema Chodron's book. Uh, and it's from, she says that she often says this and has people in any group she speaks to or teaches uh, recite it with her. And it's just an opening. May bodhicitta, precious and sublime, arise where it has not yet come to be, and where it has arisen may it never fail, but grow and flourish ever more and more. So let your body, we have about 10 minutes to practice. So when we finish, uh, if you if you can, just keep sitting and see if, if every day when you sit, you can maybe sit a minute longer. Some of you may automatically uh, be able to just sit for a long time, but if you're uh, if if you find that it's that your practice is in little short bursts, that's fine. But if you can, every see if every day or whenever you really you know, want to take on the challenge that you just sit for maybe a minute longer than than uh, you think your body wants to sit or your mind wants to sit. Sometimes that little extra stretch can be very revealing. So give that a try. So just let your body find that posture where your back feels uh, that it's stretched, that you're reaching up. I was originally taught by a wonderful teacher to just feel like there's that golden cord coming up up through your spine and up. And you can just feel it lifting up like someone's just pulling it a little bit so it allows your spine to be straight. And you feel that lifted up feeling that helps you be, stay awake, I think, and helps us. Uh, it very, it's very comfortable instead of slouching a bit, which may feel good at first, but it becomes uncomfortable. Let your body know that this is a special time for you, and your body quickly will learn that. And be ready to sit. So be aware of the body breathing. You can have this posture on the floor as well if that's uh, more comfortable for your body. And you can also be walking. Let your hands rest in your lap. You can sit with your palms down or up or one palm inside of the other. Try to just let those fingers relax and not be clenched. Eyes can be opened or closed. Just be aware of the body breathing. 
that may immediately open your thoughts to gratitude. The body is doing this wonderful thing that keeps us alive. The body does it automatically for us. We don't even have to think about it. Let that sensation of each breath as you inhale through your nose and exhale again through your nose. That can be the focus of our attention. It serves as that anchor for us. We keep coming back to the sensation of the breath to help us be in the present moment. Now, even with eyes closed, our other senses are active. And we can just pay attention to what's coming in through our our sense doors. What we hear, what we feel through our sense of touch, and contact. What we smell, what we taste, And then we include the mind, so the thoughts that are in our head. Be aware without judging, without preferences. Let everything feel like you're doing it with a very light touch. 
without a lot of effort. Just find that middle middle path. Let your body relax a little bit more with each exhale. May everyone be well. May you be truly happy and peaceful. Have a beautiful day, and thank you so much for joining me with my practice. And if you can, keep sitting. You may want to end your practice with metta, beginning with yourself. And just carry those words. Even if you just keep saying, may I be happy, may I be happy, may I be happy. You can carry that with you all day, sending it out to your loved ones and to all other beings. May peace be with you all. And I'll see you on Thursday morning.